Hey there, welcome back to MVP Business Podcast, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Roran Killian. She's the founder of C3NAMI, a human-centered social media company that I'm really excited to learn more about. She has a passion for educating and empowering businesses to utilize their social media marketing as a method to continue building relationships with their clients and the greater community. Welcome to my podcast, Roaring. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome. I'm so excited. I know we've had a couple of conversations about your business and about your thoughts about human-centered marketing and social media's role in that and your role. So I'm interested in learning about how you got into this and, um, and, and what it all means for you. So start off by telling us a little bit of the history of your personal history before you started C3NAMI. Yeah, sure. I'll start. Um, so I jokingly say that I'm a grandma in digital marketing. I started in 2010, so I'm hitting my 10th year in this industry. Um, so like two years after Facebook existed and uh, did all the faux pas because business pages didn't exist. So you created a Facebook profile and then we promoted the event with Facebook events and things like that. And it was a Central Texas air show back in the day and um, progressing like as this industry started to evolve, there started to be an actual job description for what I did, um, which didn't start until 2012, 2013 with like our job description as a digital marketer. Um, that was when you started to seeing the rise of Google plus, which has um, lovingly been left and gone away <laughs> but like the rise of analytics business pages groups and things like that and how I actually got started is I had a couple of organizations in the early years that I would do different types of marketing approach for and then I really got a chance to play in the space of digital marketing um, as a music journalist so starting in like 2012 2013 I was like it was like during Gangnam style and Psy and so I was specifically tasked with introducing K-pop culture to the U.S. And so this is like, like, so we're now saying this is uh, eight years before BTS became a thing. So people are like, oh my God, BTS is awesome. And if, for those of you that at home that do that know, they are one of the largest groups in the world right now. Um, they say like one out of like five people in Korea is a fan of this band and they're topping in the billboard charts. But I was in that industry prior to the breakthrough of everything that has happened. And it really got me to be in a place to play on the digital arena with a audience of what we call like really hyperactive fans. So to put in perspective, a K-pop fan is like if you married a Beatle fan and a Justin Bieber fan and put one together and put them on steroids. That's how loyal um, how communicative and how active they are in conversations. And um, it was like, we were playing in Google Plus where we were at like 20 people and then within 24 hours, we're over 500 and then we're over 1,000, 2,000 afterwards. That's how quickly in advance they are. And I was able to play in a medium where it wasn't like you're selling a product where um, someone has to touch and feel the product before they, in their buying decision, before they actually end up buying the product, but it's music. So it's like click, click, play. So I was in a perfect place to play with how do you build community online with an audience that is already used to navigating and growing together online. So it was a fun place to start. And then fast forward into like, the start the boom of the industry in like 2013 into 2015 I was doing a lot of work in uh, events hosting things like South by Southwest Pan Americana which hosted about 2,000 people I was on the event side and then my now COO we were in the same firm and she headed like the graphic design social media department I headed the events department so we knew how to build community from mm -hmm. scratch and then I um, felt a calling to go back into the analytics side of like social media and email marketing and then ended up starting to create C3NAMI in 2015. And now it's been five years 
we have grown our team to a team of five and we're all over Texas and we're have clients all over the world. So it's lots of fun for sure. That's awesome. So you're pretty young. How did your family react when you decided to start your own business? So my family was just like, oh, you're like your parents. So my family um, is an interesting world. So I was born in China and I came here when I was three years old. And how I entered the U.S. was because my parents built a company selling from U.S. manufacturers medical equipment to Chinese hospitals. So this was like the late 80s, early 90s era um and so i am a 90s kid i'm a millennial but i'm not a gen z <laughs> so let me put that clarification there we are millennials are no longer the young college students we have been out of college for 10 years um and so it's interesting in the sense where i came out of there and my family um background is they are either directors of hospitals or the directors of corporations that's the background and so my parents kind of paved the way for me as um, being the black sheep in a highly collectivist culture to go out and run their own business so when I decided to run my own business everybody was just like oh you're your parents daughter at that point um, my narrative of how I started was that I was running and moving up the ranks within the old firm to pretty much a GM level where I was like supporting and building operations and started hitting walls where because the way that I was building it didn't align to the owner or the owner didn't have a clear mission and vision quite in place. Every single thing that I built was being um, shuffled or adjusted or not really being fully implemented. And so I started hitting walls. But what I realized more than anything is that I wanted to create something with my own mission and vision and not necessarily for someone else's mission and vision. And being a true entrepreneur to the definition, I saw a gap in our industry where you either had digital marketing agencies that are loud and proud and really true and top of industry that you pay lots of money to, to do really good digital marketing, or you're a business owner where you go and buy and work with an SEO company that says they do social, or you look around the room and say, you're a millennial, you should know how to do social media, right? Yeah. So that's like the, that was the realm that I was in, in 2015, where a like social was there, but my job description was like two years old. And so there wasn't ex expectations set in the way that you see today of the impact of, and the power behind social media. So I was in a really uh, fun, sweet spot where I was able to be a nerd about the human connection and how it shows up online and really guide and educate our clients. So our business is different because we have a full arm where we essentially go in and help our clients build out their full digital marketing sphere on the social and email side and build out a system that they have an in, like they have a constant stream of content creators in. Mm -hmm. So we're training the owner and the content creator to how to collaborate together or the owner on how to do it on their own and to make space for a new content creator to come on board. So we are very different in the sense that we don't take things behind a magic curtain, but our intention is even at the clients that we do everything for, they are very clearly in understanding how social fits into their marketing wheel. That's yeah. fantastic. So you said that you were really, um, you weren't aligning with the mission and vision of the company you were working for, and you knew that you could set some, set something up new that did apply that mission and vision. What was that mission and vision when you started and how has that evolved? Huh. So our mission and vision when I started the business was that we wanted, and it actually hasn't changed. In fact, it's just become more clear, grounded, and more confident in how we approach and explain it. Um, we, I started the business five years ago with the mission that I wanted to empower as many people as possible to understand this power that is social and digital connection and really use it to build their online community as who they are today. And that has metamorphosized to our C3 NAMI mission and vision, which is we're here to put the human experience back into digital marketing so our clients can feel empowered to show up confidently as them and continue building relationships with their community and impacting the community 
which is the whole reason why they started their businesses in the first place. They wanted to support and serve. And our job is to take the intimidation out of the digital marketing factor. Mm -hmm. I love that you said social and digital connection, because I think that is the biggest thing that people are missing when they think about social media. A lot of people say like, oh, I hate social media. I don't like to do it. Or um, because they think of it as an advertising channel for their business. Whereas um, when you think of it as a digital connection, it's, it's just another way to connect with the people, the humans that you're wanting to interact with on a regular basis. Like I gave the um, suggestion to someone recently that, you know, think of it like you're at a dinner party. Like you wouldn't talk about yourself the entire time. Who's going to want to talk to you and, and hang out with you the rest of the night if you're just like, oh, I do this and buy from me and I have a sale, you know? Yes, exactly. If you've got social connection in that way, then it becomes a lot more natural and um, human and engaging. Yes. So, how I explain it is that imagine you're in a big digital networking room and it's normally packed like it's um, rush hour at 5 p.m. in New York City. Um, the new, in our current events right now, uh, with the COVID era, it is shifting to where it's no longer a option to not be digital. It's now mandatory to be digital. So that subway station is now triple packed. But in the normal state of where it is, is like it's packed already. And so you're shuffling. You're really not able to talk to the person across the room. You're really only able to talk to the person directly in front of you. Now, as you're shuffling past each other is how I explain it. You could either have a high buy conversation, which is where like if you're just talking buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, then it really is a very transactional conversation. So it's a high buy and then people will forget about you the moment they scroll past your post, aka shuffle by you. Mm -hmm. um, or you can have a genuine good conversation with them that, that either if they have met you in person reminds them of the authenticity authenticity and like the feelings that you helped them and like the positivity that is there mm -hmm. or like intrigue them enough or have a good enough conversation that they're reminded of you. So by the time they shuffle past you to the next person, they're like, oh yeah, I just had this great conversation with so-and-so behind me. You should talk to that person. That mm -hmm. natural instigation of word of mouth, that's the power of social, is it literally builds a visual representation of your word of mouth in your customers and your audience. And that's just one of the different strategies that we talk about, but it's that natural human instinct to connect and see each other and resound with each other. And not everybody's going to resound the same way, right? Like everybody has their own human that they talk to. Um, and like resounding and then being able to be so inspired that they mention you again. That's the power of social. So tell me about some of the obstacles that you overcame when you first started getting your business going and then evolved that into, like we started our conversation before about like this tsunami <laughs> of crazy emails that have to be sent out and what that looks like from a social and digital marketing house. So when we started um, in terms of like the hurdles that we had to go through five years ago, most people had an idea of what social media was, but they never truly experienced or understood it. So a lot of five years ago was being is talking to our audience and letting them understand the value of it. Now, five years later, we're working with businesses that have played in this space where they have figured out and understood what the power is. And now they're looking to scale mm -hmm. and take it to the next level. They're like, I've flown by the seams of my pants. I understand the basics, but I want to tap into do more because I see the potential, but I haven't done it yet. So that's kind of the evolution of our audience just in like the industry as a whole. Um, knowing how to talk more specifically in the last five years, things like that. Um, but the biggest hurdle as a business owner that we've had to learn is to stay true to our mission. So our mission is to empower as many people as possible to learn to have fun and build authentic communities online. Like that's like the breakdown niche of everything. If I had to like boil it down to one thing. And the biggest thing of that is, um, that we're looking really much for is to 
be able to allow our clients to feel confident in that space to play and have fun and show up authentically. That's like the, the hows and the logistics of how that happens. But in terms of as a owner and how we guide and we serve as an agency, we are limited by time because uh, how we do our services is time for dollars. And for us, it was one of the biggest, hardest moments of pivoting is um, learning to say no. So learning to say no to everyone, not like we can't serve everyone. There are like foundational, like things that we resound with our ideal happy human. So our ideal happy human is someone that seeks community relationships. If they come to us and they are purely thinking in a transactional manner, we're going to have a very intense, uh, brutal, honest conversation of what really it means. And if they still don't resound with it, we're like, okay, not a good fit, but here you go. Meet someone X, Y, Z. But if they come to us and they're like, I want to build a community, but they're not quite yet in a space where, where we can serve them is the best fit. We had to learn to say no to that or even be able to say what we can say yes to. So if we had X amount of clients in this space and they're all happy clients, able to perfect and ideal, but we're getting a lot of influx of clients that need our services to deliver. So full service and half service. And which means that our time is taken away from what we really love was education and guiding and empowering their, their build. There's a building of resentment in it. And so we actually have over the years, um, specifically capped out the number of clients that we take on at a deliverable level of half service and full service for that purpose. Because we're like, while we love them and while we love to play in the space and actually really test it out and like play and like and have our ear to the ground, what we really love is having the knowledge that we gain from testing it out on, on clients and having our foot, like our ear to the ground and then taking that knowledge and supporting our community at large. And so every, every year when it, we get grumpy because we have an influx of full service clients and we're like, wow, we love them. We get, we're like that need to teach and support screams at us so we usually like beginning of the year we're like we're great we're gonna do this and then right around this time is when we start getting grumpy and then we have to shift into education to balance ourselves out mm -hmm. and so that's our world of um how we've evolved but we very literally had to um two years into the business recognize that what we genuinely loved was education as well as serving our clients, but it's majority education with a little bit of serving our clients and having to restructure our whole business. So two and a half years into the business, we had to let go of two really awesome humans, but they weren't a fit anymore to what we were trying to accomplish and do. Mm -hmm. And um, we were a small company. We couldn't afford to just keep someone on if they're not 100% a good fit right. kind of thing. And um, it also wasn't of service to that specific person because when they're not a good fit, they know they're not a good fit and we know they're not a good fit. And so rather instead of just like prolonging this forever, it's more of like, how can we serve and like pivot accordingly to where it's like a nice like team members can come in and then when they're ready to leave they can leave and it still feel good and that is our philosophy um for clients and also for team members that is one of the biggest lessons what does that conversation look like so um, our conversation with all team members and clients is that um hey you're an awesome human let us make you more awesome and like help build you from a skill set perspective if they're a team member or help amplify the client from a client perspective. And then we benefit from that knowledge along the way to better serve our community. But when the time comes that if it like ebbs and flows and we have to like go our separate ways, it's a mutual decision that is there. That's mm -hmm. our big thing. Like it's very contradictory to what you see for businesses across the board, which is hire someone, keep them forever kind of mindset. But for us, we recognize that our team is evolving. Um, our business is evolving. Our business is a living organism filled with multiple different humans. And then as humans come in and out, our business will evolve and change accordingly. Was that a natural transition for you? Something that naturally happened or did you come to that point of struggle and decide, 
this is really the best way for us to handle it. And we think, you know, how, how did that evolve? Was it comfortable or did you have to? So yes and no, like it was like old world thinking, um, like very old corporate world thinking that we grew up as a foundational block that we then had to like reshift into um like that we had a reshift into um building in place like we had to find our own iteration of what that means where we're like we still want to serve and do the things um the, here's the reality of it is is like so when i started my business five five years ago my intention was that in five years i would be able to make it fully autonomous so i could start the second firm in london and then start the next firm in hong kong that was the intention the whole entire intention from start to finish of building this company was how quickly can you take the entrepreneur out of the equation that was always um the situation which is very different from normal businesses normal businesses start with the entrepreneur and then it's the entrepreneurs passion that continuously drives it forward but what's more powerful is that when you go from a baby business into a toddler and into an adult is when the it's the same thing of birthing a child when they're a child they're a baby business they're very self-reliant on you there's a chance you lose your identity you become c3 nami's mom is like an example of where it is and then as they become a toddler and as they become adult they they actually build their own identity separate from you that is a natural thing and businesses are the same business babies do the same way um i've always intentionalized it and so when that was like the start in 2015 where i was like i always plan to exit out of it and then as i built team members so i could leave and eventually pull out i started recognizing it's like well if i expect to personally leave this company at some point because it's autonomous and separate living organism from me i should not i should not have an expectation of any other person in the team to last forever like if i don't expect to stay here forever why am i expecting someone else to stay there forever and that was a huge pivot and it was like against everything that has been taught in general and especially as an asian uh, american like we grew up with our parents working for companies for 20 30 years mm -hmm. and asian culture companies like take care of you like my grandmother who's a doctor in a hospital in china her house is in the residential area next to the hospital like the hospital pays half of her house and she paid the other half that's how much they took care of their people and um, but they expect you to work with them for life kind of thing too. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, so that, that's the world that I'm coming out of. But I recognize that our, every human being that's coming in is on their own journey and we will thrive together and we will eventually pass on. It's the same thing of like, if you think of your best friend, like you grew up with them through high school, through college, et cetera, because you're like location-wise specifically there all the time. Mm -hmm. But then when you start going to college, you go away, right? But then whenever you see each other again, it's like right where you picked up the same conversation. And that's the same thing that should be approached in all relationships. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, um, the last agency that I worked for, I heard a podcast interview with a business owner who had come to a similar place where he said when he realized somebody was not doing their best he would have a conversation and say you know are you happy where you are what can i do to make you more happy that may be you leaving and you know it's not it's not just because of of the productivity but if you're not happy then you're not going to do your best and vice versa so there's um you know whether there you've pivoted in your own business and you need something different like you explained or or the other person has grown in themselves and they need something different having a very human conversation allows you both to slowly part ways and then if you grow into a place where now you want to come back together or you want to refer business to each other or whatever it is, then you have that healthy relationship to come back to. I find that really inspirational. Um, it's definitely hard or easier to talk about than it is to have that face-to-face -face conversation, but it's always better in the long run for all and both parties. So that's awesome that you, you got there so quickly. 
um, through the mindset of how you are approaching your own business and, and your yeah. to do it. That's really cool. Don't go anywhere. I'm just taking a short break to thank one of our sponsors, 5D Show Services. 5D is a full-service trade show, display, graphics, and services company with over 30 years of experience. They partner with companies of all sizes to help plan and execute the best trade shows and events on time and on budget. I've worked with Danny at 5D for over 15 years and continue to be impressed with the level of service and quality he and his team provide. For more information on their capabilities, visit 5dshowservices.com. That's the number 5dshowservices.com. And I did definitely did not do this alone. Like I was very intentional about building a solid support circle um, and like having a, like a group of advisors in in my corner um it was done unintentionally so like i knew so i was i was very lucky in the sense that i graduated with marketing from st edwards university so i had a lot of business background mm-hmm. right going into this so compared to a lot of normal business owners sometimes that they may never have taken a business course or a class in college and then they're starting from ground zero so i i came out being a business consultant to business owners and started my own business so i did have a leg up in this realm, but one of the biggest things that I knew was that I needed to hire out for my, um, like my weaknesses. So one of them is being financial. I hated looking at financial statements growing up in college and I survived accounting. I managed to get an A and a B during accounting one and two in college. So I knew enough to be dangerous, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to do my books on my own. And so I built out what I call my financial wheel. And I always explain to clients that imagine your business like a car with four wheels that you're maintaining, financial, people, operations, marketing. I'm one little cog in your marketing wheel as social media. Um, And then you have multiple intricate pieces that fits into these wheels that go together. And what we usually explain is that those wheels actually usually feel like four spinning plates for clients that they got to run under to keep spinning. But if they shift their mindset to maintaining them as four wheels, then you can do and take care of the cogs accordingly. So I am, I always explain is like, what I do is like one little cog in your marketing wheel, but if you go 50 to 70 miles per hour and I'm not squeezed on just right, my piece is going to fly off to the road and then your wheel is going to start shaking and it will eventually strain the engine that is you. And that's how we explain it. And recognizing your weaknesses and hiring out and building experts into your team, whether it's marketing like myself or in my case, having a financial team, Um, so I have like a full financial wheel and I specifically hired out that part of my wheel because I wanted to keep it separate, um, unbiased for internal interactions and, and then have very expert advice because that's legal and financial stuff. And I am not touching that with a 10 foot pole. So kind of thing. So, um, but because I did that, my CFO has come back to me and said, um, so you don't need a business coach. You actually need an advisory board at some point along this journey. And I was like, okay, noted, not going to happen this year. So it's like, we'll slowly work up into that. But I will say like a lot of the knowledge in like these aha moments that I have gotten to was because I had a solid group of reflectors back at me who are these experts that get it. So tell me a little bit about that. You said noted, not this year. What was that process like and how did you get your advisors and what, how often do you go to them? Tell us the whole spiel. Um, Okay. So it depends on the different types of people. So in our financial wheel of advisors, we have um, our CFO who we meet weekly. So she's very similar to me in education. And we aligned in that case where she actually teaches people how to read their own books, set up their own forecast. She gives them systems and tools to use. And then we're meeting on a weekly basis. Is she a full-time employee or is she a contractional? Okay. Mm -hmm contract fractional. Um, and then we have a, we have our CPA firm. We have a bookkeeping firm, a lawyer. Um, we have our payroll team and then we have HR and team dynamics, which is on people's field. 
And these are people that, because we, there's only so much like knowledge from books that you could read before you really need someone to riff off ideas with or ask like the deep vulnerable, vulnerable questions. Um, some of them are very structured. Like we meet with our CFO on a weekly basis. Our CPAs, we meet on a quarterly basis to talk about taxes. Our lawyers kind of like as things shift and things like that, our big system that we use to keep track of everything uh, internally is our, um, we, we utilize a combination of the book Traction, which is the EOS system. And then we also use the OKR system um, that is done by the book Measure What Matters by John Dewar. They're the same thought process, except OKRs are very like in-depth dive to how quarterly rocks are talked about in traction. Mm -hmm. So we utilize both of those books to create our system that kind of layer upon each other. Um, so we have quarterly meetings, end of the month meetings with team members and things like that. Um, as we go through, we talk in the four wheels of thing, of mindsets with the team to get team buy-in. Um, we also get team buy-in because we show forecasting. So we actually do profit, uh, profit share. So not rev share, rev, it's profit share. So as, so our team recognizes that even though I'm the main person doing sales, how they deliver and do the work and show up and support our clients will make or break or shift the way that we are profiting and growing our business or bringing on people. It also gives them uh, transparency so they could see how our business is growing. And it also gives them a space using these quarterly and monthly meetings to give insight like, hey, I really want to do this group course. Or hey, um, COVID is here we're getting a lot of we're doing a lot of one-to-one -one support for our current clients but we have a larger community that needs our support how can we show up how can we serve oh you know that forever back burner idea of actually running a uh, ongoing group where we are doing monthly check-ins with the latest algorithm and updates that has been constantly requested by clients, partners, and people in our community for years. Yeah, this would now be a really great time to beta test this kind of thing. So like little things as our business shifts and adjusts within and utilizing that four wheel mentality to organize it all together. Um, and then layering that with like the OKR system is how we manage and shift and grow accordingly our business. And then as the conversations pop up, internally with the team of like specific questions of like we are remote how do we have more fun times for remote things like that um all that jazz so yeah. so that's a good point uh with a as a mission and vision driven business how do you bring that into a remote organization how do you make sure everyone is aligned to those so we have in our um we have an ongoing document that is our goals and we also have a section in there of like who c3 nominee is so kind of the my saving grace is that we're a marketing team so in order for us to do marketing well well for clients we have to know their mission and vision and who they are and how they show up as a happy human because social in its core is one happy human connecting to another happy human right and so we have to create the business into a happy human um, that same philosophy applies to us when we do our own marketing. So in order for our team to do our marketing well, they have to understand how we are as a, as a human, which is missions and values in its core. Um, we are, a lot of the ways that we talk about our values is that we have a list of seven values. So in Traction, they, they have you go and explain what your seven values are. However, what we like to say is that it's not just seven values written on a cup, it's how we choose to live them. So we, whenever we onboard a new intern, for example, when we go through that slide, we explain it, but then we give specific scenarios and we are not like glazing over or sugarcoating it. We're actually saying we are, our one of our values is that we want to own our own awesomeness, which means that we are, we will push back to clients on deadlines, 
because we don't get to a chance to own our own awesomeness or give our space to do good work if we don't push back. And then we help our clients own their own awesomeness. If they're pushing on a deadline, there's a high chance it's coming out of scarcity, except in the rare case of COVID, which is you just got to react accordingly. Um, but in terms of like, if there's different shifts and shuffles for the client, then we want them to be comfortable in owning their own awesomeness and us owning our own awesomeness, which means that at some point we have to be comfortable with putting saying that this is a great idea, but we're not going to get it done same day. This actually needs a couple of days so our team can go in and graphic design and, and do the things so you could feel confident in showing up properly. And all of our clients get that. Um, yeah. You know, typos or mistakes because you need to have that time to do it well. Yeah. Not even typos and mistakes, but just like even fully thinking through mm -hmm. a campaign idea mm -hmm. and things like that. So like if our client's like, oh, I want to do this specific challenge or user generated campaign and they're like, can we get a post out tomorrow? And I, my instant reaction is, okay, let's talk about what that looks like first which then usually builds out a lot more deliverables. And then we're like, okay, so now we're talking an actual, like the next five to 10 days, we're doing these type of things and here's the next steps and here's what it looks like. But what happens is instead of them just having this like crazy idea and just like plowing through to it, we're making them stop, pause and think and build something that resounds with them mm -hmm. at a higher more strategic idea. Because to the point, there's tons of content going on on social. You could technically run with that start idea and just plow through it, but at surface level, to build that deep resounding content, you have to at least think it through mm -hmm. a little bit and brainstorm. And so we offer space for our clients to think that. And then we also say, here are the different phases. Here's what it could grow into. Here's where it starts. Here's what you need to decide. And then we also do quali qualification qualification checks of a client's like I want to do x amount of things and do this challenge and bring this amount of clients through today and I'm like great I like it I like that you're passionate about it quick question can you handle that amount that's coming through within 10 days mm -hmm. and then they say yes or no or or they pause or we shift can it be a rollout can you do the first 20 and then do the first, like if your goal is to get to 100 clients that you're serving in XYZ space, can we start with like batches of 20 and then ramp up while you scale? Right, that makes sense, I love your thinking. So now that you've been doing this for five years, is there anything that you wish you would have known when you first started that you now know? Boundaries. <laughs> um, boundaries and confidence to, to like actually have and confidently say those boundaries. Like our philosophy of like, we're here to put the human relationship back into digital or the human experience back into digital marketing mm -hmm. is a very loud statement that all of our clients prior to us, like fully saying it um, was like, oh yeah, thanks for like finally putting what you do for me in one sentence instead of me like describing in 50,000 describers of you. <laughs> like all of our clients that know us and love us like we're like oh yeah 100% mm -hmm. and um but it took us a while to feel confident in saying that one thing and the clients that get it and love us are the our exact clients the clients that don't resound with it are the clients that we've had either let go or take or like phased out or um, even said no to prior because that's that one bold statement is our biggest filter. But us having a having the confidence to own it um, took a long time, mm -hmm. uh, including relearning and unlearning a lot of our foundational things that we may have learned either in previous jobs, firms, etc. Our need to serve a lot of personal development. Mm -hmm. um, so if I had to say one thing that I wish I learned that I knew when I was first starting the business is to say, it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. That was like my biggest thing is like, I love serving and helping people. Right. And saying no means to, means that I am now then saying yes to what I really want. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's, it takes some people a lifetime <laughs> to learn that lesson. So it's great that you know it. And it's one of those things that when you are a servant at heart, you have to remind yourself of. Like you may know it, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're really doing it on a regular basis. So how do you handle roadblocks when they come your way, either in, in this business portion of your life or um, the personal side? So I like to explain that roadblocks are moments of the world or the universe or whatever you call the higher power. If you believe there's a higher power, um, roadblocks are, imagine if you're just like walking down your path and then suddenly you walk face slam into an invisible glass and you're just like pushing against it and uh, like immediately just like face palmed into it. And that is a roadblock and it could show up in many different shapes and forms the roadblock is there because the universe or whatever you call as a higher power or the world is telling you to pause and realign but as you look at it your initial reaction might be how do i like get across from this and you will spin and there's an instinct to try to fix it and solve it and you'll look like you're like trying all the different shapes and then find and what i used to be which is like i'll like ad nauseum try multiple ways to fix it and then like continue on the path that I expect to do and then finally I would like just be exhausted and just like cry and be like what do you want and then like the universe will be like okay here you go and it's like it just lets it go but it, it which is the basically long story short is like when you hit roadblocks it is an invitation to pause and realign mm -hmm. and if you keep trying to fix the roadblock and keep doing what you thought you should be doing um then you're gonna keep revisiting the roadblock mm -hmm. i think um that is exactly where we are right now as a a world organism in this uh covid crisis whatever you want to call it it's like the biggest roadblock saying hey everybody what you've been doing hasn't been working. Let's pause for a minute, take a look, slow down, take a breath and see if there's something we can do. Like, I don't know, spend time with your family <laughs> or <laughs> whatever it might be. I know people are probably going, no, I've spent enough time with my family. But, um, but it's, it is interesting. I love that, that thought process. Cause I used to tell people that, um, my life, I was going like a hundred miles an hour. And as soon as I had run into a wall, I'd just like find a way to scale it and get over it and keep going. Or if I couldn't scale it, then I'd go, fine, I'll just go this way. And I would still go a hundred miles an hour. And then I got to this point where I was like, where do, where do I go now? And I was really stuck for a number of years because I just couldn't run at that pace anymore. And I, I realized I needed a direction. Um, but I also didn't have to have all of the answers in order to choose a direction that I could let the universe guide me. And one, and it took me what I feel like is way too long, but I'm still fairly young, I guess. Um, once I said, okay, universe, what have you got? It went this and I went, oh, shit, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so that, that is, I like your, your, um, explanation of it. I have another shout out. This one is to Wimberly Films. This is a husband and wife team that loves the art of filmmaking. With over 20 years of experience capturing the magic of life and business, they transform moments and memories into tangible treasures. I've seen these folks in action and it's amazing. Their work is breathtaking. To see some of their work, look them up on Facebook or visit their website, wimberlyfilms.com. That's wimberlyfilms.com. What do you find that you're most grateful for? I'm most grateful for community, you know, like every single time and like not being alone. I think in our world, the need to constantly feel and serve um, is because we feel like we have to prove ourselves in order to feel loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that you're not alone and so when I think of 
gratefulness, what I'm most grateful of is being alive, honestly, um, to kind of give narrative. And I'm not ashamed to say this is that I am a suicide survivor. There was times when I was younger where I had almost considered not existing period. And it took a lot of years, but my personal rock bottom was, um, you're, I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I had questions of why I existed and then also got to a point to where I planned my own funeral and my saving grace was my stubbornness and anger is the best way to explain it where I saw imagine what it would be like to have my funeral and ask um and then all I kept seeing people around me was saying like oh my gosh she was so young Mm. and just regret that she was so young and I was just like wait no one hold on no one's gonna like miss me. No one's gonna do this. They just kept saying I'm so young. Well, you know what? This is my life. I'm gonna take control of it. I'm gonna like do me. You know, I'm not a victim of any of that stuff. And and I like to say in this time, specifically this time where people are really stressed out, they feel like the rug is the rug is being pulled under them and stuff. It's not, it's actually a really great time to realign back to your values. Like mm-hmm. I ask a very deep, transparent question that I would ask myself personally as someone that has um, come out of like potentially considering suicide and being highly depressed, which is like, you fought so hard to do, to do that. You're not realigned right now. Why are you not realigned? Like, let's look back at your true, true values. Like not what society expects of you, not what your mother told you, not what your parents told you, not what anybody else told you, not some rich CEO told you or whatever, what is it that you really care about? Like if you were to drop dead the next second, what would you regret? Mm -hmm. And that's my true values as a human that I live and grow by. And um, when I talk to like clients or team members or whoever, et cetera, like my biggest thing is like, I value and care for growing and helping instigation so that everybody else around me can own themselves and own their awesomeness. And like, that's what I like show up for. I show up to instigate change. The change that I'm instigating is people feeling ownership of themselves. That's what it is. Like imagine our world if people, instead of like being worried about what they're going to lose be excited about what they're capable of doing Mm -hmm. and showing up and doing in this world and not about like, is there enough of the pie for me, but about we're all here. There's plenty to go around. How can we show up in that way? Imagine if that mental shift happened, then we would be in a much better place like it's not a fight of power because the Mm -hmm. honestly the old world thinking has been what how much power can I get in this world but if we shifted it to a how much power of impact can we ignite in others Mm -hmm. that would be the big shift right and so you mentioned community obviously the the business that you chose to create and the way in which you are leading it and growing it and empowering your, um, not just your team, but your uh, clients really shows true to that personal mission and values. Are are there any other things in your life that that you do or that you're aware of that you explore and share um, that help you kind of push forward those, those values? Um, so my, uh, intention for this year, I didn't actually bother setting goals this year, which is really contradictory, uh, for me. Cause I am like, people know me as like the pre-planner, which serves really well in this situation. Like we've been pre-prepping clients for like three weeks prior to this making landfall. Um, so it's really useful in those tactical situations, but for me personally, in a goal perspective, I actually, Uh, chose not to set any like tangible expectations or goals because I recognize that 
I throw myself aside to reach those goals. Mm -hmm. And instead I said, I will have an intention of living fully because if I live fully, then I can show up for others to live fully. Like as if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? As RuPaul says, like that's the philosophy to that. Um, and a way that I'm showing up fully is that I show my creative side. So when I was younger in that dark era of, of my life, I, in order to survive, I started fracturing my identity. So I fractured, I leaned against the rational strategic side in order to show up and build credibility and worth of who I am. But then I let go of this like full creative side of who I am. Um, so most people, when they know me, they're like strategist and hyper planner Roran and great philosopher Roran that can like think of it, but it's like all leaning on the strategic side, right? And then most people don't realize that I used to do competitive singing. I can sing from a tenor to a soprano um, and apparently a A5, which we figured out last night because I was like singing really high, high like high tones, um, which so my techie husband decided to put a tune, a tuning app to my face and try to see how high I could sing things that we do. Um, but like I, I like draw, I create, so right behind me, these, uh, four panels of the skyline is what I created. And the moment that I allow myself to spend time to create, I become a much happier human mm -hmm. and allow myself to be like, show up even more fully in person, in my work, in my business. And I get less like own I feel less like um the need to have things move in a specific way when I allow myself the freedom to play mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a really good point to stop and and think about and kind of take in for everybody I think especially now I, I was thinking when you started on that um path that direction that my intention for the year was growth. And I thought at the time that it was, you know, last year starting my business was about like proving, just proving that I could do it and survive and pay my bills and uh, be successful for clients. And that this year was a, a like a, you know, standard business growth. <laughs> um, but what I've realized is that both last year and this year were huge growth psychologically for me. And that, um, especially now, as I um, am reminding myself and my audience to like take the, if you have extra time, um, the 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 difference in your world and pause on it for a minute, and think about how are you serving yourself and others versus just you know really racing through and meeting those goals and you know doing those things like you mentioned how much are you putting yourself and your family or the things that you really valued behind um, as you're feeling like you're trying to meet society's expectations of you. I wanna also back up and say thank you so much for sharing your, your personal uh, journey and struggles. I think um, more people than we realize uh, identify with that and, the, and you sharing it and sharing how successful and confident you are now and how um, you know great of a team and a business you have is really inspiring to a lot of people so thank you very much for sharing that yeah of course I would say like my biggest thing is like if I could show up and live fully I can lead by example um, because we all need a little example in our world like our world right now especially with social distancing it's not so just because we're talking about social distancing physically does not mean that we should distance like connection wise <laughs> in general. I just want to like clarify what that in the world. And there's so much new things that you could do as a side tangent where like I'm hosting a virtual karaoke party because nerd creativity have lots of friends that want to. But what dawned on me in those cases was like, wow, I've now invited my friends from Japan that I was not going to be able to see because I wasn't able to physically go, who I only on and off got a chance to connect with, but we're now inviting them into a full space to play. 
Um, and I have friends that I haven't talked with in like that. I know if we were physically in Austin together, we'll do karaoke all day, but I have a friend in Washington DC and one in New York and we're all doing it together, but it's that creative moment, right? Like you pause and you say, what can I do and have fun? And I also like to your point of like, not feeling like you don't have time. Here's what I love to say to people. And I always did this as a guide for like one of my team members when they come in to work really flustered. Um, our joke back in the day when we were in a physical co-working space is that they're in Orange co-working in Austin back in the day, they had a couch room called in Kalachi. And so if someone came to me flustered and I'm like, pause, download the Calm app, 10 minute meditation in that room. Yeah and pause and realign and the reason being that i say this is that you have 10 minutes in your life one minute one minute is 12 long deep breaths to pause and realign that one minute will help you like shift and amplify your effectiveness in this world tenfold because you're no longer plowing but you're actually able and it's reactivity our world is reactive mm -hmm. and that's why there's this vicious cycle of suffering but if we paused and say how can i proactively shift and build our world then our world would be more powerful it's that original concept of what if we go from how much uh instead of like how much power can i gain to how much how much power can i like instigate or inspire like that little shift that little shift requires that space to make that decision to take ownership for so but you can always pause yeah you know it's interesting sometimes for me it's a matter of maybe i am just walking into something or just i have to have make this call right now because somebody's expecting it but just to take the second to changes my whole physiology. And then um, Tony Robbins always says, if you don't have 10, 10 minutes for yourself, you don't have a life. And I, that wasn't a, a, you know, the way that I thought about life until I heard him say that a year and a half ago. And then it's completely changed the way I think about setting aside time for myself because um, I didn't value it before right and i also want to like add as like a so for those of those those that are listening that are leaning more rational prefer science your your brain needs oxygen so right. when you're plowing and you're stressed your breath is like super like tense and light some people like tense up their abdomen and diaphragm some people tense up like their butt in general like everybody has different places where they're holding stress but your body can't breathe you're so when you pull a muscle everybody's had one of those pull muscle moments that's because the muscle is so tight it cannot breathe and at some point it's a breaking point that's what we talk about burnout that's where you start feeling all that stuff but if you give yourself a chance to pace like this is life is not a sprint it's a marathon instead it's actually more like a fun scenic jog but we can stop jogging <laughs> huh huh you can stop and smell the flowers while you're jogging right like it's a fun jog it's a walk it's like you go on a jog, a hike, or a walk, not because you want to hit a finish line. You go on this jog, hike, or walk because you want to enjoy life and nature. So why is our business world or our digital world have to be like you got to race like you're going down a highway kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's that concept if you're not growing, you're dying, and the fear that... If, if it's not every second of growth, every second of staying ahead of somebody else, then you're gonna die, you're gonna fall behind, you're gonna lose the, that momentum. Um, but what I've seen uh, very clearly, and one of the reasons for this podcast is what I know in my heart and have seen you know, through research and, and through um, just knowing so many business owners is the ones who, you know, Ha share a glass of wine with their friends and travel and say, you know what, I'm going to take a month off and I'm going to take a nap right now in the middle of the day or whatever it is. Those are the most successful people 
not just um, because they feel better about themselves, but they, they really run a better business. Their employees are happy. You know, they're in business longer. <laughs> they, they just, they have something. And part of it is just allowing that space um, and allowing the universe to kind of guide them. And so not only can you be more proactive, but you can sit, like you said, and say, wait a second, this idea is good, but if I really give myself to time to ruminate on it and I think about it and talk about it with other people, then actually it shifts to this idea and this whole path that, that falls underneath it. And that's going to be so much easier, so much better, so much more successful. And we just gave ourselves an extra day to think about it. And it's so much better. <laughs> um, but that all, that all comes from giving yourself permission to take time, to be creative, to do the thing that gives you personal joy, or to bring other people joy instead of just meeting their goals. Or, you know, when you think about it from a business standpoint, um, yeah. you, know, you, don't, you don't bring a client a cup of coffee just because the rule books say that that's a good thing to do. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you do it because you know they love coffee and they're going to enjoy it. I think that's, that's yeah. a big difference in like that human connection and, and what you bring to it, whether it be digitally or face to face or, um, you know, six feet distance. <laughs> yeah, at a six feet distance, how how you can have that communication? Absolutely. Like what we tell our clients when they're exploring all the options is like, I'm going to give you five thousand different ideas, but you have to resound with it. Like if at the end of the day when you're at home and it's like, are, do you feel accomplished? Like, do you feel like, are you feeling like, okay, I did this and now to the next one. Or mm -hmm. are you feeling like, okay, I did some good. I like did the things and I like survived. And that's what we mean. Like when we talk to potential clients or uh, in general is that if they come across transactional, it's because like someone came to me the other day before and was like, I was like, what's your goal? And he's like, I just want to make money. And I was like, okay, fair people need money. Like, I'm not saying money's a bad thing, but why do you need want to make money? What do you like with it? At the end of the day, like, what is it that you seek to create? Like, what is it? Cause like money will come in ebb and flow. Influence will come in ebb and flow. Power will come in ebb and flow. But you're, what makes you rise and shine, like that shining brilliance that I like to call it, like that, like the fire within you that when, excuse me for my French, but when shit hits the fan, that's what's going to keep you going. It's not about money. It's not about power. It's not about whatever. It's about that specific thing. And it will also teach you to pivot because we've seen clients also in customer and businesses and people in, in our world, like really tune into that deep fire and like that innate why, the why they show up to do all that they do. So as a human being, if anybody wants to hear, they can go check out a TED talk called multi-potentialite. So it's more than just like, it's to my point, I'm more than just a social media strategist, but I'm also creative. And it's if by living fully to my why and how I show up is by being able to do all those things, right? That's an example. That underlying why at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, when we are gone from this world, that why leaves the legacy and lasting impact. It's not about the trillions of dollars that you make. It's about the impact that you've created for people in this world and how they explain and talk about you later. That's the impact. I uh, want to keep talking to you forever and ever, but I think that's a fantastic note to to land on the fire within you is what leaves that lasting impact. Is there anything more you want to say? Um, my tagline for, for like the post COVID era is don't panic, pivot accordingly and stay positive. That's like my tagline forever right now. Um, but yeah, like you got it in you, like just, you just got to be confident to do it. Like truly believe and trust yourself. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. This is the time, if no other time, allow yourself a little bit of space and time to breathe 
And I'm finding, like you said, there's so much creativity and people really, they know what they miss immediately. Like, you know, there's like every night there's a, a DJ dance party that you can, you know, log on to live on Facebook or um, like there was a band that was live at the bar. There was nobody there because they're not allowed to be except for the band and they live streamed it. And so everybody could, you know, dance in their living rooms and, you know, say, Hey, and woo, <laughs> type in woo. Um, but uh, if nothing else, this is just, I know it's a terrible, terrible, scary time, you know, physically health wise, um, and people's businesses are really hurting, but when you allow yourself the space, you might find your next path and trail and, you know, part of the journey that you were really, truly meant to be on. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is the, now the time where busy, I'm busy is not an excuse anymore. <laughs> well, unless you're trying to homeschool your multiple children <laughs> while you're True. business or whatever but even still that I was just telling my husband this is it, we have to just allow ourselves grace you know like our kids will learn different things you know maybe they won't be um exactly where they're supposed to be from a math and spelling standpoint but are they learning about nature are they learning about human interaction and following their own passion and living their own truth Maybe that's more important right now, you know, for the next. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we can have a whole side conversation about the U.S. school system and how it's trying to replicate the Asian school system. And it's not and allowing it's... collaborative thinking. So that's a whole side of the conversation altogether. But yeah, be another one. <laughs> I'll be on in a couple of months when we see how this whole education in America thing shapes up or shakes out in the next month as it might be closed till summertime yes definitely um, on that positive note <laughs> uh thank you so much for sharing so much time and so much of yourself and and your personal experiences um you're a phenomenal human being and i love that i met you and that i now know you um and i am really excited to see how your journey unfolds and how our journeys enfold themselves together. Me too. Thank you so much for having me, especially in this time. It's like the perfect time to have a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. I love it. I ah, nice pause. Do deep breath. Nice deep breath. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.